by night to see this baby wrapped in light a host of angels led them all to you it was just as the angel said you'll find him in a major bed
My sins were dry, the nails in you that run your cross was my cross too. Till every breath you drew was hallelujah, 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 Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. We are certainly glad to see each and every one of you here worshiping our God with us, especially if you've wandered in with family or you've come in from the community, welcome. We come together to worship. If you have come, and that is you, we welcome you and invite you to come to our website to let us know that You've been here to connect with us so that we can connect with you and you can connect back with us. So in those ways, welcome you too as a visitor. This morning, God's Word calls us to worship, and that from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea. Let's pray together as we worship. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name. We come before you, and Lord, we ask as those men who were wise in ages past, they came and they sought this one, Jesus Christ. And they said, come, let us worship him. Let us offer him gifts and praise. Lord, we pray for these people this morning that we would have that same heart. That we would come saying, let us adore him. For he is the one who has been born king of the angels. He is the one who is greater than all that have come before him. He has no parallel. Lord, he is our word revealed from heaven. 
He is greater than Moses. He has fulfilled the law. He is our Savior. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Lord Jesus, we come to worship you and you alone this day. For you are worthy of all the honor and the glory and the praise. For it is in your name that we pray and we worship. Amen. If you would, stand with us this morning as we sing joy to the world.
Family of God, we have the time and the opportunity now to pray together. When I am praying, we are all praying. And we have this moment in which we can say, we go into the presence of the Lord Almighty. Because of Jesus, we are there. And so I invite you to pray as we pray together. Gracious God, we come before you and we, we come to adore him. We come to adore him who was born in Bethlehem. Lord, but we know and we recognize that he did not come and was born as one who had just began to exist because you made him. But he who has been from all eternity past with you, the only begotten Son, he was born in Bethlehem. He who holds all things together by the word of his power. He who spoke all things into existence. He who was before Abraham. He whom the angels have sing choruses of praise. He who is now and forever seated at the right hand of God Almighty. He who is now interceding for us at this very moment. He who has promised He would never leave us nor forsake us. He who is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. He is our King, and He is our God. Lord, we do pray unto You this morning. We pray as Your people. Lord, we know that we are Your people because we have been called by Your name. Lord, we are the sheep of Your pasture. He is our great shepherd. Lord, let everything that we do and everything that we say and all that we are be known and be understood by who we are in Him. Lord, let us be a people and a church that because of His name written upon us, worship in spirit and in truth, proclaim a gospel to a lost and dying world. Show that there is light that has come down from heaven. That light is our Lord and our Savior. Let us point to Him. Father, I pray that You would be by your Holy Spirit attending to us during this time of worship. 
That as we enjoy and that we savor this Christmas, this worship that we honor and that we bring, this time that we come together, let it be marked as particularly wonderful in our hearts. Lord, as we come together, we do realize that there are those of us who come together They need your presence, especially at this moment. They need your arms wrapped around them. Lord, as we all do. But particularly, I pray that you would be near to those who have lost loved ones. I pray as there is an empty space next to them, Lord, that they would realize that it is actually occupied because... You are with them. You are a God of comfort. You come alongside us and you love us. So I pray for those. I pray for those who are not with us. I pray that you would, you would be with them, that you'd bring, us, bring them back to us safely, Lord, as they are travel or visiting family in a way. I pray for those who are unwell. I pray that you would continue your work of healing. Pray that you would continue to care for them. And I pray that even as we intercede for them, that they would know that they are being attended to by the God of heaven. So I pray for Shirley Bruyette, for Kay Birkeland, for Stephanie Carter, for Butch Matthews, Charles Ryan, Cecilia Shirley. And Lord, we pray for the family of Chris Green and Ada Hicks. Lord, we know the God of all comfort and peace. And Lord, we know His Son in whom we worship. Lord, You have taught us to pray. You have said, come to You. Those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You have said, come and enter into the courts of God Almighty. And there you will find a place where you can come and you can lay your burdens down. For you are welcome as my sons and daughters. And so we come as your people, praying together the words that you have taught us to pray this Christmas morning. Praying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
Well, Merry Christmas again. And my name is Matt. I'm the pastor. The person you've been led by so far is, still not was, Ben Alexander, soon to be sent to the mission field with his family. And at this moment, we're going to send some of ours to a little bit of a mission field, which is not far away from us. And this is for Children's Church. So the time has come, and therefore, anybody who's going to Children's Church on this Christmas morning, we're going to have you at that door fighting the choir. They want to get in. You want to get out. Try not to push. No biting, no scratching. And after the service, they will be in the gymnasium or the Family Life Center. You can grab them from over there. And at this point, what I'd like to do is pray for both them and us as we turn each of us in our respective places to God's Word. Pray with me once again. Father, I would ask that your light would shine brightly here. Uh, that in the hearts of these children who are being attended to elsewhere on campus, on into the nursery, Father, here uh, by your Spirit. To those who would be attended to by your word. May we also be attended to by your spirit. May we know the light that shines in the darkness, which the darkness cannot overcome and which is identified with us in Jesus' name as the light of the world. Uh, Father, equip us to shine as would fulfill your will here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you do this mighty work we ask in Jesus' name? Amen. And so this morning, we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and together we read the first seven verses. And I have this reminder for all of us, myself included, that this is and remains eternally God's Word. It is and ever will be infallible. It is inerrant. It is inspired by God. This is God's Word. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Here ends the reading of God's word. May it be a blessing to his people. And for those who have been perhaps with Neely's Creek on Sunday mornings for more than just this one. Uh, again, if you are a guest or a visitor, we are overjoyed that you are with us and blessed as a matter of fact. Um, 
We have had a sermon series that has spanned the entirety of this calendar year. Here is the last Sunday of this year, and lo and behold, it's Christmas. And that sermon series has been following the Heidelberg Catechism, a question and answer format by which God's people are led into particular places of all of His Word, rather foundational places. And so the Catechism ends as the year ends. As Christmas is upon us with that final portion of the Lord's Prayer. And so as we are now gathered around the manger, we have the overlay of the Lord's Prayer. And I think it is perfectly fitting. So I would like you with me to contemplate this last question and answer that is set before us that we might be able to behold he who is in the manger on this day with even more wonder, even more awe. And the question is this. What does the word amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. Amen. It is sure and it is certain. I have a question for you. How many of you remember your first birthday? No hands. That's right, because we don't and can't remember our first birthdays. None of us remember planning our first birthdays because such a thing is preposterous. Even the ones who gave us birth had some idea, and maybe even a pretty pronounced idea, that a birth was coming, and then eventually that a birth was imminent, but nobody knows when that birth is coming, neither the one being born nor the one who is giving birth. But everybody knows when that birth comes to pass. It's unmistakable. It's irrevocable. You can't undo it. You can't put things back the way they were. And so in a way, I would like us to, this Christmas, observe the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh as God's amen. Certain, true, sure, so be it. Let's think about this for a moment. Could Jesus' birth have been stopped could Mary have stopped it? Unlikely. Could Caesar Augustus have stopped it? Well, it's in the realm of possibility, but quite honestly, because it's God's promise coming to pass in the person of his son, the answer is, as a matter of fact, actually no. Not even the one who has the power to tell the whole world that it needs to travel to a place by which it would then be counted to a man. Not even that one could stop Jesus from being born. 
God had spoken this as early as the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.15 when he's issuing a curse upon the creation that he had formerly declared very good. Something had happened. It was no longer very good. And it was in need of a Savior whom God promptly promised while he's addressing Satan and promising Satan in the same moment that he could expect for his head to be crushed for his kingdom to fall because of the one who is to come. And Satan was on a hell-bent mission from that time forward to cut off the seed that was promised. And he knew failure after failure after failure. He couldn't squelch Jacob in Israel, in Egypt, in slavery, from prospering. In the desert, Israel, carrying the promised seed, couldn't be wiped out, wasn't wiped out, even though there was no natural source of either food or water. And on into the promised land, And Satan himself is unable to stop the coming of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's now gather around the manger here with Mary and Joseph. And let's think this through maybe a little bit, not only from the perspective that Jesus is God's amen, sure, certain, true, eternal, but perhaps... There is none other that ought to receive not only our attention, but then, of course, our praise. I'd like to look at verse 6 here together this Christmas morning. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Again, the time came, as did the birth, in a way, an amen, certain, sure, true, so be it. We know that in the curse that God put forward in Genesis that there is going to be pain with childbirth, and so we can only expect that Mary knew the pain that accompanies childbirth. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Mary has God's amen in her possession, in her keeping, on behalf of the whole world. And Joseph with her. Can we take a moment just to register what Mary doesn't have? And Joseph with her? Okay. A place to stay that is fit for human beings. She doesn't have that on this morning or middle of the night, let's be honest. We don't know exactly when this came, but he came. She doesn't have her family around her. And that's kind of sad because even though we don't have the biblical record of who exactly her family was with the exception of her father, it could be that at least she, if not Joseph, did also have relatives and would also have needed to travel to Bethlehem to also be registered because of the decree of Caesar Augustus. And so it could be that family is in town and it's a small town. 
and they're not there. Because what else does Mary not have? Respect. Why not? She's not married, and she's having a baby. What else does Mary not have? The protection of the government. Because the sitting king, as soon as he finds out that this baby has been born, will be seeking to kill him. And likely her. And likely Joseph. No place. No people. No protection. But she has Jesus. Could it be that this is God's Amen to his people that this is, in fact, our lot in this world, if pressed. That we can do without everything else. We cannot do without Jesus. And so what does Mary do in this moment when she is very aware that at once she has everything? And because she has everything, meaning Jesus, she therefore in this world has nothing. What does she do? And if we are to look to her, how does that instruct what we do in this life? Or rather, what is done for us by him who was born and in that day was lying in that manger? She wraps him in swaddling cloths. That's what she has to do. And so that's what she does. Can you picture the little girl that Mary is, now a mother, in a stable with one job. How lovingly does she wrap this one who has cost her everything and who has caused her pain already in this life? With what tenderness does she wrap him in swaddling cloths? Does she even blink as she is gazing upon him? How long does it take as she wraps up each tiny limb, each forearm, each hand, each finger. Does she she kiss each one before she wraps it? And on down to the knees and down to the toes. And then is it even with some level of pain that she would put him as far away from herself as the manger, which is immediately at hand, Every one of us has a mother. Some of us in here are mothers. Does she blink after he's placed in the manger? She is the one who is now in charge of his keeping. She has wrapped him in swaddling cloths that he would be safe and warm. She's placed him in a manger, a keep, so to speak, so he won't get away and so that nothing will get him She knows the pain of childbirth. It is with her. And she knows the joy of his arrival. And could it be that as she looked upon him, she counted it her blessing to be able to keep him? Did her face shine upon him as she was merciful to him 
Did she lift up her countenance upon him? And did that give him and maybe even then all the world who would belong to him peace? His mother is near. His wants will be met. For the moment she is his shepherd and he will not be in want. Now, hopefully we know who this Jesus is. And we know why he has come. And we know that it is for the joy set before him that he endured the cross and its ignominy and its shame and its pain. So that what? So that his people could know new birth, new life, eternal. So that he in turn could keep them so in this moment and in this world which contains its fair share of pain and we know it and loss and we know it not to take away from joy and we know it praise the Lord but could it be that on this Christmas morning that the blessing that God told Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, the words he gave him to bless his people, not Aaron's people, God's people, and thus to put God's name on them. Could it be that Jesus right now over his church? Could it be that Jesus right now over the one the individual, the one person who he knows by name, the number of hairs upon their head that he knows exactly. Could it be that even in this moment, he is so close to you as Mary to the baby in that manger, that he is so filled with joy because of you, who have caused him pain, but who he loves with the perfect love of God and who he loves eternally. Does he hover over you with nothing but mercy and grace and joy and the promise to bind up those who are broken and to heal those who are wounded and to have a place for those who are lost? If you know him as I do, that's exactly how he attends to his people. That's how we're supposed to know him. And so is it even in this moment and in this life, for however many days we have left, left assigned to us, that the Lord Jesus is very carefully watching over you and very closely to bless you and to keep you. That the Lord Jesus is right now making his face to shine upon you. And even in this moment, being gracious to you 
Is it possible that the risen Lord Jesus Christ once laid in a manger attended to by a teenage girl who is his mother is lifting up his countenance upon you and in doing so giving you peace now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas. Pray with me. Father, may it be that we would know you as you are and as you have made yourself known to us in Jesus. Father, may the peace that belongs to those who are called by his name be irrevocable like a birth, be growing as one who is born does and will, be unmistakable in the face of this world as a peace that passes understanding. And Father, from that position of peace in Jesus' name, may it be that we are able to reach out to the broken, to seek the lost, to bind them up, to give them a place. And all in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Hymn number 249, O Come All Ye Faithful.
remain standing for the benediction, and I would like to put uh, some prayer partners in the front of the sanctuary for anybody who would have a prayer need, even if it's everybody, then just come here and they'll know, and then it's prayer time, and the Kimballs will be leading that, whether it's one of us or all of us. This is David and Courtney, people of God, receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.